Michael Jordan is responsible as much as anybody for changing the game for the worse. I don't think the game's Welcome to Triple Zero's The Anti-Hot Take Sports Show. I am your host, Josh Bloodcalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Buck. Hit the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. Website, ClockerSports.com. And the email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. That voice you just heard was one Stephen A. Smith of ESPN fame um, and, and many other various projects. Um, I, I'm almost uncertain of where to begin with that because I don't know if – well, I heard the whole segment. I will play some a, a big snippet of it for you in a, in a minute here. Uh, but that – is about as as close to to use a, a, a phrase that he likes to use asinine as anyone could be. I don't care what kind of point you're trying to make. When that's the statement that comes out of your mouth, you're off base. You're doing too much. You're trying too hard. And it sparked a bit of a of a back and forth on uh, on Twitter with Smith and a certain NBA personality who have already told you knows what the people want. If you follow the show, you already know who it is. Who it is. Um, but before we do that, we got some other stuff we got to get. The NBA Finals kick off tonight. Uh, we're recording. We're back in our original day. Thursday night recording. The drop on Fridays because we are going to be bringing back the second episode uh, per week. It'll really be the first one because it's going to be dropping off on Monday mornings. But it's going to be conversations. I'm going to try to get back to doing more interviews and stuff. They have gotten by the wayside. COVID, would you would have thought, would have helped. But it kind of added more stuff to the plate. So those interviews that I love so much and I really uh, enjoy, like I said, talking to new people and meeting new people across the sports spectrum have gone by the wayside. So we're getting back to that. Got a big guest lined up, really solid guest lined up for you on uh, this coming episode so stay tuned for that one but we're going to talk about we're going to keep the second episode for me to get my thoughts off my chest because i gotta talk that's why i did that's why i started the podcast in the first place right um the finals are taking i started off tonight gold state warriors hosting the boston celtics in game one of the nba finals i did not know this but i don't know how i didn't know this but the warriors are one of the original teams i don't know why i always forget that um i know boston you know boston's story going for i want to say championship number 18 and 23 appearances, something like that. They're 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 up there. They're leading the way in appearances, and they're trying to take the lead back. Uh, I think they're tied now with the Lakers for championships. So, um, very historic battle going on. The farthest travel. Uh, I read that it was a longer flight to go from Golden State to Boston than it is from Boston or from New York to London, somewhere on the East Coast to London. It's a longer flight from from the East Coast to London. Like it's it's ridiculous how much travel they're going to be doing in this series alone. And so. Um, honestly, there's not much to break down. We've been talking about it for four days now. Game stopped. Uh, the, the game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals was on Sunday, and we're a week, a week, you know, basically a week away at this point. You know, in sports terms, three days is a week. That's already, we're already on a whole new news cycle. And the, a lot of people, the conversation has been around, you know, can the Warriors dynasty make its resurgence? Where they have, you know, they've been comparing it to the, the Michael Jordan Bulls. Uh, and then Boston is the up and coming team that has, on paper, the players, the pieces, the parts to stifle what Golden State likes to do. That being the case, we know that the the sports don't often play out that way. Um, and out off the top, I'll tell you, my pick has been Golden State in seven. Um, I, I shared that with the guys over at We Are Eagle Radio, War Media. Shout out to those dudes. Um, and I, I think that Golden State's experience will, will win out. I think that the equalizer will be the three ball. And 
while I know that Boston can get hot, they are only shooting at the seventh best clip in the playoffs. While the Warriors are third, like that's this is what they do, and they haven't even and they haven't even played well yet. Like I, I don't think you, anybody would say they've they've played great. They've blown out the, the Grizzlies. They they had some back and forth with the Dallas with uh, the Mavericks, and they didn't seem to have too much trouble with Dallas, but. They still haven't played, you know, peak Warriors type type basketball yet, and we could see that now. Counter that's counterintuitive to what I just said about Boston because they do match up well. They have the length, they have the physicality. Um, the question for Boston to me is, can they stay within their discipline to take advantage of the Warriors' mistakes? Because they will give you, they will let you stay in the game and give you the chance to take the game with turnovers and just being careless sometimes because they're that good. That can happen. Uh, for Boston, they can't, they can't feel like that. They can't let that be them. Uh, Marcus Smart almost shot them out of the game in Game 7 against Miami. Can't let that happen. Derek White is a really good player, but sometimes he goes MIA where you just don't feel like he's in the game. That can't happen. Jalen Brown turns the ball over when he tries to do too much with the basketball. That can't happen. Jason Tatum becomes a black hole despite his offense maybe not being there and his ability to create for others and defend well. So he can do other things, but he would still rather you know, uh, hoist up shots despite them not falling, and that can sometimes impact his game on the other side. That cannot happen. There's a lot that cannot happen for, for Boston. And for the Warriors, they just can't go cold from outside, which is going to happen at some point, right? They're going to have an ugly game shooting, but do you feel like they're going to go cold the entire series? I don't care how good Boston is. There's a lot of different scoring options there. And I saw the stat, like Steph is, has been really good uh, against Boston, I believe it was, but against Marcus Smart, something along those lines where it was, Marcus Smart was like 29% that he shot. I know that. That was not good. But it was a small sample size. And it also ignores... The other pieces that the Warriors have found this year and what they have in Jordan Poole, what they have in uh, Clay Thompson, who seems to be getting his mojo back offensively at least. And then you add in the return of Gary Payton II, uh, Otto Porter Jr., and the de- I think the postseason debut of Andre Iguodala. I'm not sure if he's played this. I think this is his postseason debut. So you got a lot of pieces coming back for a Warriors team that just had a lot of rest and, and has been there and done this. Whereas Boston, like I said, we can see those those three guys that I mentioned, the big three for Boston – Four, because I mentioned Derek White as well, but those three can really be can get into their own heads sometimes. I don't think we see that from the Warriors. I just don't. Um, again, I could see Boston taking this one. I'm not gonna sit there and write them off completely. That's that would be foolish. They got here, right? And we've been shocked before. But I'm gonna stick with my pick in Warriors in seven, and I could even see it going six if Golden State gets hot early in a couple of these games here. And it's 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 just because I just don't see Boston having the the rally ability. They feel like a team, not necessarily a front runner, but a team that is much better playing with the lead. And I guess that can go for every team, but this one especially because I feel like that would lead them to becoming something that they're not. And they're not a team that's going to hoist up shots like that, like the Warriors are. And that's that's the other part. Will the Warriors run get Boston to try to match them shot for shot? That's a that's a death knell. That's how you that's how you know you're going down. So um, X factors. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, as he was in the last season, and then for Boston, I'm gonna go with Al Horford because Al Horford is the one big, other than Daniel Tice, for Boston that, and really not really Daniel Tice because he doesn't move as well as, as Horford does. Who you don't have to take off the floor when the Warriors go small. When when they put Draymond at the five, Horford can stay out there, and that's a that's a that's an added element that I'm not sure the Warriors are prepared to deal with because we saw them play Max Kleba off the floor, who's a good defender and can shoot the three ball. But when they went small and, were, and got to move, and he had to come off sometimes. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens um, with Horford if he, as an older player, is able to stay on the floor, uh, or is played off the floor rather, or if his ability, his all-around skill set, because he's very valuable, very useful, a multi-tool player, 
allows him to stay on the floor for longer chunks of the game. I'm banking on the latter, which could give the Warriors problems. But again, if you're shooting the three ball, how much somebody's in the paint doesn't really affect you that much. So some of Horford's effectiveness is taken away in that regard. And then for for all of the intent, all intents and purposes, no, Boston has not faced a team that runs around screens off the ball like Golden State does. It's not just Steph. It's everybody. They're constantly moving, and that's going to be tiring for Boston's top defense so that's why i got warriors in seven would not be surprised again if i saw if we saw the celtics take this series but i'm not i can't i'm just not gonna do it and i love jason tatum and Jalen brown i'm all right on marcus i'm cool marcus smart i like marcus smart cool on the celtics as a whole though you know bulls fan whatever i just can't see it being i mean i I, whatever if i'm wrong i'm wrong obviously i've been wrong before won't be the last time won't be the first time um but i just don't i don't i think that the golden state warriors have enough to uh to match up with to withstand what Boston's going to throw at them defensively and obviously take care of business offensively. We'll see how the physicality plays out. Um, Warriors are not a soft team as, as much as we like to label them finesse. They do have some physicality. And again, they both of these teams hang their hats on defense as told well the guys at war media. So it's going to be a great series. I think one that maybe people didn't expect it to be as good as it's going to end up being, but I think we'll all be pleasantly surprised when all is said and done. Uh, moving on to some local stuff. Man, got to cover the Bulls. Uh, Zach Levine. Brian Windhorst on the Hoop Collective podcast said that he does not get the sense that Zach Levine wants to leave. Um, we recently had reports from heavy Sean Devaney that uh, much of the gossip going on around Zach and possibly leaving is coming from Clutch to get uh, the rumor mirror churning and mission accomplished. And so my thought on that is, listen, at the time when they were saying it was going to happen, I was like, I hate to see him go, but if he goes, just get a good return. Obviously, with him being a free agent, I wrote about this for Soaring Down South, um, a proposal where the Hawks would send back uh, um, Anekia Okongwu and DeAndre Hunter and, and picks. There's a lot of gymnastics that has to go on with that. But the the premise is Joe Cowley wrote about the Bulls. If Zach Levine wanted to leave, they would try to flip how they built this team and, and try to instill some more defensive presence in it and, and – Kyle's example, or his his proposal, I guess you could say, was Matisse Thybul, who the Bulls have interest in, uh, of the Philadelphia 76ers. And I took that same approach with the Hawks. I got this one from NBC Sports Chicago's Rob Schaefer, who said that uh, on the Hoop, on the Bulls Talk podcast, he just kind of threw the names out there. But I went through it and tried to make it work. And like I said, you got to do some gymnastics, but you can get there. And the idea is is very valid in that you give them two ready-made defensive contributors who have offensive ability, especially uh, Hunter. You give them the Bulls draft picks if this is what the Hawks wanted to do. And if Levine wanted to go there, that's why, again, gymnastics. But there's a way to make it happen. And, again, I like the idea that, you know, if they pivot off Levine, then they're going to focus more on the two-way stuff that, let's come, let's face it, you know, that's what you need to compete at the highest level in this league. So um, if, you don't, if you don't fill out the rest of your roster with guys who are, you know, elite, doing those things then your top players have to be elite period anyway but they have to be really good on both ends and the bulls have guys who are really good on offense not so great on defense so they gotta they have to be stout at every other position including their reserves they were not that last year and i think that was one of the biggest things that we saw um once lonzo ball went down speaking of lonzo ball he is doing a uh joint venture with michael jordan's nft company yeah i know crazy uh and he spoke about his health and he talked about, you know, he's been in the league for all these years and he's worked on his skill. And he knows that he's got the talent level, but he knows he's got to get his body right. And he said that none of it really matters unless he's available to him. Or he says he's got to be, he's got to, the next step for him rather is to be available to do those things on the floor. I wrote for Heavy a long while back, I think one of my first, one, maybe my first article of how the Bulls' comments about what they were lacking in games down the stretch were 
not directed at, but definitely hinted at a missing Lonzo Ball's presence on the floor. And so hearing him say that, he understands that we've heard the reports from David Kaplan that, you know, there was concern about his knees not getting better. Uh, his father met with Kaplan on Kaplan's podcast to say that there's no issues. He did throw a little bit of a jab at the Bulls, saying that they had him running too early, preferred they get him in water. So now he's going to get him in water when he gets him back home. Roundabout way to say, Ball is still excited about his his outlook. He's hoping to bring the Bulls championships uh, the front office sounded like they're optimistic that he'd be okay. His father sounds optimistic like he'll be okay. The only person who has been negative has been Kaplan, who's citing sources from within the organization. So um, we also have consternation about from Kaplan about what to do with the Bulls from or what to do with uh, Levine within the Bulls. So there's a lot of of unsettled stuff coming from the Bulls to Kaplan, but every other piece around that has seemed to be remain steady in there uh, in whatever case it was. Now. Ways the Bulls can improve on the margins are tough. And I told you that was, that major trade would be a shift in their ideology and how they built this roster. Outside of that, you're probably still looking at a trade probably for Kobe White uh, as he enters the last year of his deal and probably will not get an extension from the Bulls. But then other than that, can you tra- are you trading the, the 18th overall pick once you make that selection? Because you can't trade it beforehand. Or are you keeping the player because you need cheap labor? The Bulls are in a very precarious situation, maybe not a crosswords per se because they do have options, but it's very precarious because the next move better be the best move. Otherwise, it could be a death move, and we don't want that. That's not what they want. They could really mishandle this if things don't go right. Signing Levine is going to put them in a different uh, operating mode, and that's where things get really complicated. Vucevic is entering the last year of his deal. Who knows if they keep him, but they talked about wanting to keep the core together. Um Darnell Mayberry of the Athletic wrote that you know the 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 core should be the the three guy big three Pat Williams um, I think he wrote down Kobe White Ayo DeSumo for sure and then Javante Green like it wasn't a lot of people but the Bulls don't have any assets beyond that either so again it's gonna be really tricky for them to maximize the rest of this roster amid the uh, very competitive Eastern Conference that's probably gonna get better this off season so uh, look out for that and then for the Hawks um, stays and goes we know Trey's not going anywhere and. At the deadline, we were told that Clint Capella would be untouchable as well. But I told you that that was probably because of the deal that he signed. Same thing with Kevin Hurt, who had a trade kicker that expires on, I think it expires today. Sometime in June or either either this, either in June or in July, Herter's trade kicker expires the poison pill provision, basically, where his salary would like do some kind of weird thing if he was to be traded. That'll be gone, and he can be traded soon. And again... I would expect anybody not named Trey Young to be to be available, but as far as who will be moved, I would say Herter and Collins would be the top two, and maybe Bogdanovich because I think he can get you the most back individually outside of the young core guys, obviously. Um, Herter got paid $65 million, $63 million last summer and was just as inconsistent this season as he was in the years past, did not take a step forward at all. And I wouldn't say he regressed, but he definitely looked like to have sta- appeared to have stagnated this season. And his game is such that I think it's very valuable off the bench, but as, as thrust to a starter's role, it just was not working. Um, uh, Collins has been in, in trade rumors since last season. Like it, they, they, they seemingly never wanted to keep him, but they paid him. So that they could trade him later, maybe? I don't know. But it seems like he's on his way out just because of all the commotion around him and his dissatisfaction with his role and just the fact that the Hawks need to change. And again, while Bogdanovich outside of the course of the best, you know, will bring back the best haul, Collins by far is your best asset right now outside of Trey Young because you're not trading Trey Young. That's, that's asinine. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's where we get to with that. And I just, I just, 
Capella maybe, but I think that they like Capella. Capella, the, the only way I could see Capella being one of the ones who goes is if you have a direct replacement for him. Because I don't think Okongwu is ready yet to be that guy, and I'm not sure that you re, you that you can as replace him, Capella that is, as easily as it might seem. What he does just by being in position and, and being able to get the rebound is huge, as we've seen extra possessions are at a premium in these playoffs. He has battled injuries, so maybe that, you know, speeds up the timeline on trying to get away from his contracts, you know, but they just extended him last summer, so I can't see them being that in a hurry to trade him. Herder, however, because we've seen them move him to the starter, move him to the bench role, and typically it's been because of what the other person that they're swapping him with has done, not necessarily because of what he has done. And you paid him to try to avoid a headache, and now you didn't get what your dollar's worth. Who knows? Then I would go into Hunter because of his contract situation, and then I would go into the lesser-known guys like the 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 uh, the uh, Jalen Johnson, who's just you know all potential. There's no real value there because nobody knows what he can do. It's not a lot. It's similar to the Bulls, which is why I think maybe they could both help each other out if things go south, but it's all contingent on what Levine wants to do, and that's what makes this so fascinating to me, why I can't stop talking about it. I know that not everybody wants to keep hearing it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> as for Trey, his next steps, he's talked about wanting to get stronger. Uh, the organization has talked about him playing more off the ball. I just want to see him play passing lanes more. Just be smarter about passing lanes. Don't get caught watching the ball when you're off the ball, and don't, 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 that passes that I've, I've maybe it's just me feeling that way, which is completely possible, right? But get your hand out there a little bit more. Just be a little bit more active. Be a bit more of a pest on the defensive end. That would be my biggest challenge to him. And it's not even necessarily be a better defender, but have better activity consistently. That would be all I would ask because I, I, I think that at his size, he's probably going to always be a negative on that end, but he can definitely be an asset and not a detriment. Uh, Travis Schlank and Nate McMillan, are they the right guys to lead the 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 team? I kind of feel the same with Billy Donovan. When Billy Donovan was mentioned with the Bulls uh, position, it was between him and Emei Udoka. I didn't know anything about Emei Udoka. What I knew about Billy Donovan was that he was uh, he walked into a, a a title contending team over in Oklahoma City, and they got worse and worse every year. Obviously, there was some attrition there. Uh, Kevin Durant left. Russell Westbrook never got any better, but that's what it was. That was my perception. I wasn't sure he would be able to uh, – I always thought he could get the, 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 get the most out of guys, but I didn't think he could ever get more, if that makes any sense. It's a sports type of reference, given more than what, what you have, 120% type stuff. I didn't think he could get to that level. What we saw this year changed my thinking in that Bulls were riding higher than even I had anticipated, and I was a big fan of their moves this offseason. And I still didn't see them being a first-place team, despite how they got there. I don't care about how they got there, because that progression to me showed that they had the framework in place. Now you fill out the roster. Like, this is the, this is the year we're supposed to see the progress. And so now, when they possibly take a step back, because every other team has gotten better as well, and they can't, ha- they can't get that much better, they could be better in the postseason, but look worse in the, pre- in the regular season, because now there's a year's worth of, of tape, say for, you know, the, the, most of the season when they didn't have ball. But, like, you know what they're going to do. You know what to expect from this team. Schlenk and McMillan are the same way, where Schlenk comes from a great organization. McMillan has a track record of being steady, if not unspectacular. And that's my concern for the Hawks, because the Hawks is a team that's thrived best when they have been spectacular. <laughs> and at, that might sound silly, but just think about the most famous teams – Olajuwon, the Dream Shake, right? You want to flash forward to recent years? You got the the, the Highlight Factory. 
like there's there's not a lot of great Hawks teams. There have been a lot of great Hawks teams, period, but there haven't been a lot of great Hawks teams in their history where they weren't flashy, where they weren't exciting. And I just don't get that from McMillan, who, as has been acknowledged, you know, the offense kind of devolved into one-on-one a lot of times. So I'm sure Schlank, as a guy who came from a state, a system in Golden State where they were all constantly moving off the ball, would like to see a little bit more of that too, which is why you want to get Trey Young off the ball, which is, in my opinion, is why you want to see him be more active on defense too because that will help get some more transition points with the Hawks are just not a transition team. They didn't even try to push the ball enough last year. Like there's a lot of stuff that I think they need to change stylistically, but I do commend McMillan's steadiness. Um, sometimes I think it can be a detriment, but it's often an asset in such a chaotic up and down, back and forth style of, of game. So um, I do see the value there. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers have a billionaire in their ranks. LeBron James reached billionaire status according to Forbes. He is the first active athlete to reach the mark. Uh, he is joining Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, who both reached the uh, achievement after their careers were over. Shout out to LeBron. Again, I don't know how anybody has ever knocked anything this man has done off the court. You cannot like his some of the antics and stuff that he's done, you know, uh, on the court and with the, with the game itself. But off the court, the man is a role model for young athletes and for as far as preparation. Again, not necessarily at antics, but preparation and and acumen in the business world. So you know that you have to have a side hustle, right? Get your after playing career life going. I love it. Love that stuff. Man. That's good stuff. I, I Again, never been a LeBron hater, maybe not a fan, but I've always been a fan of what he does off the court because I just think that there's not enough chit-chat about the good things that players do off the court because we talk so much about players getting arrested and they go, they're not in trouble. They're not li- living up to this part of their contract and they did this, that, and the third. This guy's opening up schools, family man, billionaire. Like, that's dope. I just love it. I love that story. Now, Let's get into this uh, this uh, Stephen A. Smith before I switch gears here and tell you exactly why I feel this man was – I don't want to say he was, you know, trying me, but he was trying me because there's no way you're going to convince me that he believes any of this. My brother, the guy I love so much that I believe is the greatest player to have ever played. Michael Jordan is responsible as much as anybody for changing the game for the worse Hmm. when you consider you. Stay with me on this. This is throwing no shade on Michael Jordan. Of course, he's the greatest ever in my estimation, number one. Mm -hmm. All right. But he was so phenomenal that the NBA marketed the individual. The audience gravitated towards the individual and the game became a bit more individualized. Because people wanted to be like Mike. That's disappointing. Um, first of all, to say that, like I said in the beginning of the show, the fictionalist to say that is just completely asinine to, to quote Stephen A. Smith. Uh, but then to he followed up by saying, "There's no shade, no shade on Michael Jordan." You just said that the man made the game worse. How how did it, he took the game global? You could say that they they he said that they they began focusing on the individual, but after that, he specifically names Magic Johnson and Larry Bird as that was what the league was before they started marketing the individual. What are those? He then goes into the teammates that both guys had as if Mike didn't play with teammates. Mike has been – one of the things that I think is always funny is that they, the, the, the knock on Mike is that he's always trying to take the shine from himself. But Mike, whenever you ask him, has always put the spotlight on his teammates as well. 
I, I, I don't understand that one. Um, and again, we're at, the tagline for my show is the anti-hot take sports show because the world is filled with that. And to that point, Kevin Durant took to his Twitter to let Stephen A. Smith know that he did not approve of the the uh, wild, wildly off-base suggestion by Mr. Smith and, and let him know because, like I told you before, Kevin Durant knows what the people want. And he said that, you know, basically guys like Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, they're ruining sports debate. And I won't say they're ruining it, but I understand where he's coming from because – that this is so popular is kind of killed the debate aspect of it. There is no actual trying to find a middle ground. It's screaming your point at your opponent, which should just be your com- your, your fellow converse, co- uh, conversary? That sounds like a good word. Made up a new word. Fellow conversary. That's right. <laughs> your, your, your fellow uh, conversation holder. I don't know the word I'm trying to look for here. The person you're talking to, okay? You, I, you're yelling at them to get your point across. You're, you're yelling to talk. You're waiting to talk. Listen to talk. Instead of listening to actually find out what they're saying, have an actual rebuttal. So just give me your point. And so I don't think they're ruining it. They're definitely bringing a different uh, aspect to the forefront. I've said that they've always existed, just in a smaller pocket. Their explosion kind of mirrors that of reality TV. They have outlived it for the most part. I think we still like reality TV, but it's not the height that it once was. These guys, though, are, as Stephen A. Smith responded to Kevin Durant, and I retweeted it. Again, follow me on Twitter at Joshie Buck. They're still – they're not going anywhere. There's there's thousands waiting to replace them the moment they're not here. And my skin crawled a little bit because he's right. He's right. We're going to get further and further from actual debate. We're going to get further and further from actual discourse in, in sports. It's sports. Most of the people talking about it aren't even involved in it. And yet the prevailing style is yell, 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 yell. And act indignant when you disagree with me. Has not been my forte. Never will be my forte. I understand. Like I said, controversy sells. I get that. 100% get that. But damn if KD wasn't right. Stephen A. Smith tried to come back. Kevin Durant came back with him. Tell him, we don't care. With him. It was a Stephen A. Smith clip. Talking about we don't care. I just, I just, I, I, I. I I watch the show, so I'm not like I said. I don't think they ruined it. It's different, and their their job is to get a response out of you. So in many ways, Kevin Durant just gave them ammunition to go to their bosses when they try to renegotiate for a new raise. Just putting that out there. Switching gears. <laughs> the NFL is in a bit of a hiatus right now, but the Bears are still making news because they have a chance to sign some wide receivers. I've seen some suggestions. Um, a couple that I've liked, Darius Slayton has not produced like I thought he would coming out of Auburn in the past couple of years, but as the Giants have added more and more receiving threats, he's being pushed down the rungs, and I still think he has some talent and could be cheap. Late round pick for the Bears. Those guys might not, tend not to make the uh, the roster anyway. Why not get a receiver that has shown the ability to have some some uh, uh, some impact on the game? We'll see what it is. You signed a bunch of guys that you don't know what their impact is. What well, one more going to hurt? Well, then I saw a, a different suggestion and one that I think is more established, but but just as uh, um, unreliable in Will Fuller. Will Fuller's got the talent. He's got the speed, right? He's had production, but he can't stay healthy. 
And the one thing that the Bears don't want to do is commit assets to anybody who's got a track record of not, of not staying healthy. First of all, they'll get reamed on the way in from the media for doing that. They'll get reamed when the guy's not producing right because he's got a, he's nursing a sore hamstring or something like that. And they'll get reamed when they inevitably, inevitably have to cut that guy for not performing. It's a lose, lose, lose. Like there's no way to win. So I saw that name, Willful, and I was like, oh, no, 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 probably not. Probably not. There's no reason to. You don't have to do that. So don't do that. Just just don't do that. The other one, though, Slayton, go for that. I, I think you try that low risk, maybe not high medium reward, but you got to have professionals in that room. And while we've been while they've been impressed by Velas Jones, uh, people think that Byron Pringle could shock him. Uh, 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 Equinemia St. Brown has history with offensive coordinator Luke Getze. None of that matters until the, they put the pads on the field. And if I'm trying to get out there, I would be, feel much safer having guys who I know have put some tape on the on the on the uh some put out some some quality tape before this season that's all i'm saying if you're gonna rely on them you gotta rely on something that you can rely on uh the outlook for this season i told you guys already i think the Bears can stick it to the playoffs if they play this right they can win some of them games that everybody's trying to i don't think the schedule's that daunting i really don't i really don't now they're not gonna win a lot of games <laughs> i don't think they're gonna they're gonna be like the 12 and 4 year i don't see that happening in 2018 i don't see that happening this time around but they can sneak in at a, at a sub a, a, like a Nearly five can't get five hundred anymore, but like barely above five hundred, sneaking into the playoffs at that last wild card spot. I can see that the NFC is not that strong this year. I can see it. Fingers crossed. I can see it. But if they emulate like the Eagles did, heavy run scheme, play action pass, which is what they they sound like they're planning on doing. That's what they said. I could see it happening. So I'm not I'm not I'm not as gloom and doom as everybody else. Of course, it's not my money. And if they do, if they lose. I gotta write the same stuff I gotta write about if they win. So like it doesn't make a difference what happens. I just don't I don't see it as negative as everybody wants you to. Again, this is the offseason though, and everybody wants there to be uh, a story. And so that's their stories that they're not good. We'll see how it plays out. Rest in peace to Marion Barber, the longtime NFL running back, was found dead in his apartment. I don't usually handle these things on the show because I don't know how to say them. I don't say don't want to cheapen it. So I'm just gonna say rest in peace to Marion Barber, who was a fun player to watch. Um, with his bruising style uh, and when he would do the backflips in the end zone. I'm, again, not great at this, but it's a very, it's a tragedy. Only 38, 39 years old, not far, not too much older than I am. So, uh, all right, rest in peace to his family, thoughts and prayers out. Uh, rest in peace to Barber, thoughts and prayers out to his family for uh, such a tragedy because, again, that's just terrible, man. We hate to see stuff like that. Kyler Murray, not to switch gears so callously, you know how we roll. Kyler Murray showed up to training camp. Or to OTAs for the Cardinals after he's scrubbing his social media and all the fuss and hubbub. Some have speculated that means that he knows he's getting a deal. I feel like that might mean that he's just waiting to, for them to say no again so he can pull that back edge. Ah, my back. I need to back you out of me. And then he's out for camp. And now what are you going to do? Nothing. You don't know what to do. Yes, out. <laughs> I think that's what's coming here for Kyler Murray because I don't, they haven't changed much of anything. So for him to, you know, just pop in, oh, you either got a hint that something's about to happen or you wait for them to tell you no again so you can pull that hammy. I don't, you know, I understand either way. Either way. And then, finally, Tom Brady is a savage. You know that. You don't play 20-some-odd years, win seven championships, to not and not be a savage. This doesn't happen. But the man got on the golf course for a friendly competition with his partner Aaron Rodgers against uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And let me just tell you that Tom Brady flamed everybody. Everybody. Flamed Rodgers for losing Devontae Adams. He flamed uh, Patrick Mahomes for losing Tyreek Hill. And then he said Josh Allen's going to lose to Fon Diggs. Like, Brady is a savagerious. Through and through. The, I shouldn't be surprised as I am because the man retired for two, for 45 days and then came back to talk about these last two months. 
<laughs> he called sitting at home for 45 days, two months. Love it. That's savage. He said, I got to get back out of there. I can't be at home with these kids, these badass kids. I ain't doing this. What I look like. I love it. I love it to death, man, because I, honestly, I just feel like far too often, you know, the, the the personality of football players is kind of thrown by the wayside. And for Brady, he's a guy that people want to get to know. He got he got that big contract to uh, to to broadcast sight unseen. We don't know how he's gonna do it, but they gave him the money. And for this, I think that I was I was skeptical. But if he's gonna be like this, <laughs> he was flaming him. He flamed his partner. Oh. I wish I had that kind of cool, man. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh e. Buck. Hit the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, ClockerSports.com, and the email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. And, of course, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh e. Buck. Um, read the stuff last on World of Pro Football, Soaring Down South, Heavy.com, and, of course, ClockerSports.com to get everything. And until the very next time, for He's the greatest ever.